Welcome back to the QEH podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week, we'll be interviewing people within the QEH community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and more about the school. Now, in this episode, we're talking all about learning enhancement, a beautiful part of school life and something I was very keen to know more about, not least to find out what it actually means. And discovering the answer put a smile on my face. You'll find out why when you listen to this. Richard Waldron is the head of learning enhancement. And in this episode, we're going to find out how this support helps the children, what that means for them at the time when they leave QEH, and also what advice Richard has for parents trying to decide which school to send their child to. Richard is lovely, and clearly he loves the work that he does. So come with me now as we step into this episode and hear from the Head of Learning Enhancement, Richard Waldron. Richard, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good, good. Thank you for your time and thank you for being here as well, because we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. Tell me what your plans are for this weekend. This weekend, I've got a lot of rugby coming up actually yeah so lots of lots of rugby my kids play play a lot of rugby and I've got roped into helping coach with them as well so that takes up most of the weekend fantastic parental duties cool I I like that um and what kind of things do you typically get up to on a Friday I mean how do Fridays typically look for you at school during the day Friday is one of my lighter teaching days um I have quite a lot of time to I usually use it as an admin day actually um as part of my role, I have to test pupils for diagnostic testing generally for, for things like extra time for exams. So Friday is often the day that I get a lot of that done, catch up with catch up with some emails. I teach a nice double double year nine German lesson in the morning and have a few pupils throughout the day coming for some one-to-one and small group support as usual. Fantastic. Okay, well, on this podcast episode, we're going to be talking, well, at least starting off talking about your position there as head of learning enhancement. I'm dying to know more about what that actually means. But first of all, I'd love to know a bit more about yourself. So what your own education was? I mean, did you grow up in the Bristol area? No, I grew up in London, um, southwest London. I went to a school. Uh, we had grammar schools when I where I grew up. So it was a, it was a grammar school, all boys, very similar in ethos and age to QEH actually, uh, King, Tiffin Boys in Kingston. So yeah, that's grew up there. I then came to Bristol for university, studied German at Bristol Uni and fell in love with the city there. Met my now wife at Bristol University. She stayed in Bristol. I went traveling for a few years, worked in London for a little bit, did my teacher training back in London and then moved down to Bristol to get my first job. Right, right. Okay, so you've been zipping up and down the M4, it sounds like then. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time on the M4 over the years. <laughs> so tell me about some of those first teaching jobs that you did after you left university. I started, yeah, so I trained as a modern languages teacher. I started teaching at Ashton Park, which isn't a million miles away from here. Um, I taught there for five years. I then moved over to Patchway Community College, where I was head of languages for a few years there. And then an opportunity came up to go over to Shanghai in China and spend a few years teaching internationally. So that was that was a really interesting experience. And was that for a British school or an international school or, or, or a Chinese school? I spent a year or so at an international school and then a position became available at a, an experimental Chinese school. So it was, they were 
a Chinese school, but they had an international section within the school oh. and they were opening up a middle school and needed someone to help set up the middle school and, and kind of run that. So I did that for a year. Gosh, how, how was that then? And how did that compare to the international school? Very different. It was very interesting, actually, working with a wide range of international teachers. So you don't, you didn't only have the the Chinese curriculum or the international curriculum. You had influences. There were quite a few American teachers and seeing how different the American system is to ours. Um, yeah, it was really, really interesting and really exciting couple of years and lots of lots of really good influences. And it was it was during that time that I spent a lot of time supporting um supporting students with with extra learning needs and supporting students with that were kind of struggling with their day-to-day english essentially and then yeah from there came back to bristol and got a job at qeh so then when you came to bristol is is that when you got married or had you already got married before you moved out there i was married before we went out there my wife was pregnant with our second child and it fitted in very nicely with her being able to take some maternity leave and then a, a sabbatical from her job. So it just fitted in really nicely with kind of family life. And it just so happened that that was when the opportunity came up and yeah, off packed up and off we went with a three month old and a two year old Gosh. to spend a couple of years in China. That must have been quite a brave thing to do in that case. I mean, not just for you, but for your wife as well. Yeah, I suppose so. We've always, I mean, we've both traveled quite a lot in the past and live you know spent months here and there living abroad and i think i suppose we we always knew if if the worst came to it we could always come home but we thought if we don't if we don't do it now are we gonna ever have a chance and you know looking back really really pleased that we did do it when we did and and we made the most of that opportunity and we really saw a different a different side of the world most of the most of my colleagues at the international schools most of them were were younger teachers at the beginnings of their careers and i think they had a very different experience to someone with with two young children, but it meant we saw a really different side of of the country as well. So, what was it that brought you to QEH in that case? I think with the first <laughs> the first thing was the job was available. It's it's a brilliant school, and I knew coming what we came back to Bristol wanted to wanted to come back to Bristol, and I had an interview here and knew from the you know, the minute I stepped stepped foot inside the building that this was. It had a very similar feeling to the school that I went to and instantly kind of felt at home. And you feel the kind of, you feel what a special place it is the, the minute you're in the building. And mm. and you, yeah, within within a few minutes, really, that this was going to be a, a good place to work and a good place to spend you know, the next stage of my career. Okay, so you're the head of learning enhancement. Tell me what that actually means. I'm dying to know. In well, in many schools that we called the SENCO. So I'm the, the special educational needs coordinator. So... I essentially coordinate and manage and deliver lots of the academic support for pupils across across the school. And that's varying from those pupils with any kind of extra extra learning needs and uh, needs or disabilities that need to be supported in the classroom to taking small groups out for, for academic cross support across all their subjects, really. Okay. And tell me why QEH refers to this as head of learning enhancement instead of SENCO. Is there any difference at all? No, I don't think so. I think I think it's a, a, a change of focus. It, the word enhancement shows that it's not it's not something to be looked down upon and it's not something to make you feel as if you're not part of the rest of the class. It's it's a way of making of enhancing your learning and giving you some extra opportunities that possibly you wouldn't get elsewhere or or in other schools you see uh, that kind of thing I, I think is really interesting and you know I, I don't want this to sound like an advert for QEH or anything but that's 
that's the kind of difference I find that QEH tends to make. And, and I'm saying this as a non-member of staff in the school where, you know, there's a traditional approach to doing something. And then there's the QEH way, which is, you know, what's, what's, what's actually a better way of doing this instead of just defaulting to the normal way of doing things. And I think that's a really classic small example where you're talking about enhancing learning as opposed to Senko, which sometimes for some people does have a negative connotation or association, whereas this makes it completely different. How long have you been doing this for? This is my seventh year as Senko. I actually started at QEH as a languages teacher and I'm lucky to still be teaching some some languages across the, the timetable. And during my first year, the, the learning enhancement role became available and the the headmaster was happy to interview me for it. And since being put in that role, I've been doing lots and lots of training and have completed a master's in special education mm. and kind of really working to improve my knowledge and really kind of hopefully feel like I'm doing a good job in, in the role I'm in. I imagine that doing this kind of thing is is quite rewarding from a job satisfaction point of view. Absolutely. There's certain things that, that you miss out on with, that you would have if you're teaching a whole class all the time. You see far fewer pupils on a daily basis. However, the ones you do see, you build amazing relationships with. And the the sense of pride that you get from supporting a pupil and seeing them really kind of make make significant changes in in how they do and coming out at the end of it with exam grades that they're really proud of is yeah, that it can't be beaten. And I don't think I haven't had that kind of experience as a, as a regular classroom teacher, certainly. So it's great to understand that kind of concept and what it is that you do, but I'd love to know how that actually looks on a day-to-day level. I mean, if I was one of the pupils, if I was one of the boys at QEH and I'm on the receiving end of this learning enhancement, then is it generally a, a one-to-one kind of teaching that we get here? Or is it more of a, you know, you and me and then maybe two or three other people alongside me? So as you as you referred to earlier, it, it's it's that kind of individual approach approach that we have at QEH, which is kind of the biggest driver for that. So there will be some pupils who the, the first level of support is making sure that staff in, in lessons are aware of their needs and make the relevant adaptations and differentiation in their lessons. So I may not see some of these kids at all because their needs are met by kind of excellent teaching in the classroom and making sure that that their needs can be met in and out of the classroom. In addition to that, we've got teaching assistants as well, and we make sure that they're in in the places that they're needed most to support the pupils that that need the most support on a day-to-day basis. There are other pupils who will come out of lessons or slightly do maybe do a slightly reduced timetable and they'll come out of lessons and come over to the learning enhancement room and that's where we'll do kind of individual one-to-one or small group interventions and that will again vary greatly throughout the day so for some of the some of the older pupils it may be supporting them through some coursework helping them with with some GCSE exam preparation or revision timetables or or strategies for revising things like that for some of the younger pupils it will be more focused on individual needs so we may work on some dyslexia specific support and interventions for those people that need it or some reading comprehension or things like that so it's it's a very varied role and then the children that you're helping in that particular capacity say if someone's come out of a, a geography lesson for example then will it will they be spending time 
outside of the geography lesson, but still learning geography, still learning the same sub- subject material? Or will, or will they be doing other completely different things during that time? Again, it depends really on the individual pupils. We have a number, we do sessions before school and lunchtime and after school, which means we can get to as many pupils as, as we can without having to have them miss lessons. For pupils where there's a slightly greater need, then it may be that they do a slightly reduced timetable. So they may drop a second or third foreign language lower down the school or may may drop a geography lesson, let's say. And that means rather than doing geography, they would come to these sessions. But these sessions would be spent, they would they would drop geography essentially. So they wouldn't be doing that would be that would be it for their geography lessons. So they would be focusing instead on on wherever the need is greatest. Certainly in years eight and nine, then we look at the kind of options and it would generally be a subject that they were planning on dropping at the end of the year anyway. So that would be one that they drop early and then come along to the learning enhancement sessions. So I love the way it appears then to me to be quite pupil led then instead of it being a structure or a framework that the pupils have to fit into. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of flexibility within the within the timetable and within the school. It's not always the way that they will always drop that second language. If a pupil's really good at languages, then we'll obviously keep that going. Uh, but if they're struggling with some of the concepts in religion or philosophy or something like that, then they can drop that subject instead. So tell me how, how it works then with the parents of the of the boys. You know, if, if, if a parent had any kind of concerns or questions that they wanted to ask, I imagine that it's very easy for them to get in touch with you. But how does that communication work between you and the and, and the pupil and the parents? It will vary. I mean, as the as the pupils get older, they would naturally take a bit more autonomy in their own learning. Certainly for the younger pupils, I would generally meet meet parents before they start at QEH. We have a number of sessions during things like open days where, where I'm always available for questions before they've even sat the entrance exam. Going through to once, once that ex- entrance exam has been done, then we'll have preliminary meetings before they start at school so we can plan what support, if any, we need to put in place before they come here. And then there's always an ongoing kind of dialogue between us, generally via email, but I spend a lot of time having meetings with parents. Um, I'm available at all of the parents' evenings as well. So they can, and that's for every pupil, whether or not they've, they're kind of currently on my list, as it were, or if, the, if parents have got concerns. So talk me through how it works then with GCSE and A-level results. I mean, clearly we don't have almost like a parallel universe where you, so, so we can't compare what somebody's results would have been had they not been on the receiving end of learning enhancement. But, you know, what evidence do you see of there being a difference in their results at the end of the day? As part of my role, I have to analyse the results of all of the pupils on the SEN register, looking at GCSE results and comparing them to pupils without any SEN and looking at also different differences within that cohort as itself. And yeah, pupils at QEH do exceptionally well. If we compare them to the national picture, we would expect as an academically selective school pupils to to do better than the national picture. But nationally, there's a massive drop off between pupils with extra learning needs compared to their peers, whereas we just don't see that at QEH. The the kind of value added scores are on a par with their other peers and they generally receive results of which they can be really, really proud. So that must really add to your job satisfaction then that we talked about earlier on. Absolutely. And it's, you know, you see it every year. We see pupils who, for whatever reason, have have struggled at times throughout their schooling. And I'm always blown away by how well they can do as long as they've got that support that 
in place. Richard, just for a moment, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of a parent. Maybe I, I, I have a I have a son and, uh, you know, I'm looking around which school they should go to. And maybe I'm thinking that a school like QEH, you know, if my son needs any kind of support like this, maybe I'm thinking that QEH isn't the right place because it's naturally going to be filled with elite boys. What would you say to someone like me? I would start off by saying that we have a significant number of pupils with additional learning needs and that we cater for them. And actually coming to a school like QEH, where we have such a great support system, be it pastorally in in the classroom and with the extra learning enhancement support they get, that will actually allow them to really flourish. And we've got a wide variety of, of pupils that I can you know, put my hand on my heart and say that if they were elsewhere, they shouldn't, certainly wouldn't receive a similar level of support and I don't think would do as well as they do in, in a school like QEH. How many pupils are there at any one time that receive this support? It will, again, vary from year to year, but we generally have around 15% of our pupils in a, in a year group will, have, will be kind of classed as special educational needs. Of those, that's, again, roughly in line with the national picture. However, the needs of the pupils at QEH are certainly towards the milder end of that spectrum. And I think that's that's down to the nature of the school and, and it's down to, again, the support that's put in place for them. So, yeah, in, a, in an average year group of around 100, there'll probably be between kind of yeah, 15 and 20 pupils who certainly at some stage through their school career will receive support from learning enhancement. Uh, that's really good to hear. And so it feels to me like a lot of your time is taken up with uh, learning enhancement and with, you mentioned about teaching German. This must all add up to, to a busy time at QEH. What would you say is some of the most enjoyable or most interesting parts of your work? I find al- alongside the alongside the teaching, it's it's nice to to still be doing some classroom teaching. I think that really affects your relationship with the pupils. As I, as we mentioned before, I have you know really great relationship with the pupils I spend a lot of time with in in the learning enhancement department. But I think the biggest the biggest part of my life is all the extracurricular things that we get involved in. I I do uh, rugby coaching and cricket coaching in the summer. I've got uh, take an active role in the outdoor pursuits expeditions and do a lot of that going on the ski trips, do, doing lots of other trips. Um, I've recently been on the trip to Cologne over Christmas to visit the Christmas markets. And again, trips like that, you really get to see a different side of the pupils. And I think it's all about building relationships. I think all of teaching, whether it's special educational needs or any other, it's about building relationships. And I think getting the pupils to see you as a human being really kind of helps in and around the classroom as well. And, and, it's certainly the most rewarding part of the job that I, I experience. Wow, awesome, Richard. I'm just keeping an eye on time. We're we're coming towards the end of this episode now. Uh, but if any if anyone's listening to this right now and they wanted to find out more about the work that you do, how could they go about doing that? The best way is to come into come into QEH. If you're interested in sending a pupil here, then there's lots of open days, and our marketing and admissions department would be really happy to give you some extra information they've got all my details and again if there's any questions about um, any extra support that people might need i'm always happy to answer them well in advance of anyone coming to the school and often you know once they've left afterwards as well that's really good to hear richard thank you so much for your time it's been really good talking to you thank you thanks lovely to talk to you too
So that was Richard Waldron, Head of Learning Enhancement at QEH. Thank you for being here, Richard, especially on a Friday afternoon. Really good of you to give up your time to talk to us today. Don't forget to find out more about learning support at QEH. Just get in touch with the school, speak to someone in marketing and find out when the next open day is. Or just speak to Richard. I didn't ask him, but I'm sure he'll be very happy to talk to you. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.